episode of the official show here on a Miami Marlins off day. I'm Eli Sussman, managing editor of Fist Stripes. As usual, my shows are presented by Symbol, the stock market for sports. Somewhat of an improvised show coming at you here. The initial plan was to have a prospect conversation with some of our staffers here at Fist Stripes looking forward to what's happening on the minor league side this year and how the young players on the active roster are getting acclimated That conversation is still coming up early next week. Be on the lookout for that. Should be fun. But for now, I had to pump the brakes on that and just pick apart what is happening with this Marlins team through the first seven games of the year. They've lost all but one of those games, including four in a row. If you want more on what happened on Thursday, we got you covered elsewhere. The small pod with A.T. Wardall, that went up earlier this morning. You have my written recap on fishstripes.com. We did a whole Fish Stripes live stream about that, about 45 minutes, sorting through our emotions from a very unusual ending to a major league game. And for here and now, I just want to look at the bigger picture issues that are plaguing this team, because you can nitpick that individual call that umpire Ron Culpa made, the Marlins likely lose that game anyway, just based on how they actually performed on their merits. The season overall, it's been a little bit unlucky for the Marlins. If you look at the run differential overall, they've underperformed slightly. There's just no way to sugarcoat it, though. This is one of the worst teams in baseball and pretty clearly the worst team in the National League East at the moment. It's only been not even 4% of their season. I can't emphasize that enough how insignificant this sample is in the big scheme of things that anything could happen the rest of the season. It doesn't rule it out, but there are serious issues at the moment that are clearly holding them back. And I'm going to go deep into three of them, three in particular that are raising red flags with me that are holding this team back from fulfilling its potential um, and would need to change, absolutely need to change if this team is going to climb up into even a semi-competitive space and and salvage this season. There's plenty of time, but there needs to be some tangible changes to what they're doing on both sides of the ball. So we start offensively um, with the approach that these guys are taking at the plate. It's very frustrating to watch this offense because, honestly, there's only so many chess moves that Don Mattingly can make. You look at the players at the alternate training site, the Fish Tank in Jupiter, the fish tank in Jacksonville, there's not an obvious candidate that is going to come in here in the near future and raise the ceiling of this team. Like the best offensive talent, major league ready offensive talent that the organization has, they're right here on the active roster. You need to make it work with these guys. One reason why they're not quite making it work right now has to do with their approach at the plate and their lack of aggressiveness on the first pitch of a plate appearance. They're right there near the bottom of the league, bottom five, in the rate at which they're swinging at the first pitch. So they're, as a team, that rate is under 25%. It's a lack of conviction of going after the first pitch. The reason why that jumps out to me is when you look at how Major League Baseball players usually perform when they put that first pitch in play. In 2020, the league-wide OPS, putting the first pitch in play, 
951. Incredible. The year before that, though, you look at a full sample size of a 162-game season in 2019, league-wide OPS, 994 on the first pitch. Even better. Everybody turns into Mike Trout, essentially, when they put that first pitch in play. It's easier said than done. You know, sometimes if you swing at the first pitch, you miss it or you foul it off. And so that's not included in the stats that if you guess wrong on that first pitch and not can't even put it in play, then that's taken out of the equation. Nonetheless, it's something that the Marlins aren't doing enough of. And considering their personnel, this is why it's something that sticks out to me. And the time of year as well. You get into the middle of the year, for example, and you have these starters all stretched out for potentially 110, 115 pitches, there's some added value in working these deep counts, right? Taking extra pitches against a frontline starter, you want Jacob DeGrom to get out of there in six innings. Uh, I record this as their next matchup is going to be against DeGrom, and it's his second outing of the year. He's mostly stretched out, but not entirely. This is the stuff that becomes more significant later in the year when these pitchers are fully stretched out and you want to get into that bullpen there's some value in being patient at the plate working deep counts there are individual players also that do this well Corey dickerson he's been taking a lot of crap for his performance overall as a marlin in these this early on in the second year and the year before that but you have to admit that he does a very good job of wasting pitches of even in two strike counts, he finds a way to make quality contact with the way he adjusts. He's a unique profile where you don't mind him working deep counts because even once he gets into a two strike situation, he can still put an effective swing on the ball. There are others that you could pick out in general, but for this Marlins team overall, that's not really the skill set for most of these players. In, in particular, the new guy, Adam Duvall. He's that one big change that was not with this team at all during the 2020 season. He's off to a terrible start offensively. Tiny sample size, we know, and the inconsistency with him shouldn't come as a big surprise because that's his track record. He's put up good overall numbers for the Braves in 2019 and 2020, but he's streaky. He is, at times, he looks like one of the worst players in your lineup, which is absolutely the case right now. And there are other times when he is red hot, when he hits three home runs in a game against you, as the Marlins learned firsthand last year against Atlanta. Right now, he's in a funk. And one thing that I think is contributing to why he's in a funk is that he is not his usual self in these early count situations. First career, he is someone that is more aggressive than most on the first pitch, swinging at about 33% of the time, about one of every three pitches, um, almost every single game. Usually, he is seeing presumably a fastball on the first pitch, and he is trying to do damage against it. This year, it's not the case. Even including yesterday, it bumped up his percentage to only 18% swinging at the first pitch, barely half of his career rate at going after those pitches and trying to do damage. So he's getting behind in counts, and once he's doing that, he's just, yeah, he's mostly striking out or making weak contact, popping it up, that nearly all of his plate appearances this year so far have been unproductive. He's someone that could benefit for just being himself. Whatever reason, could be just a small sample size, but he is not himself right now, and that is contributing to this. So you see this team 
that for right now, we're going to keep reiterating this, that as a team, just two home runs hit so far this season, and home runs are such a big uh, bellwether of whether you're winning a major league game these days. It simply comes down to that. In so many cases, who hits the ball out more often? Uh, the vast majority of major league offense comes from home runs, whether, whether you hit them or you're on base when your teammate hits them, and the Marlins aren't doing that. Duvall is perhaps more so than anybody on the team, someone they were relying on in that department to do so, and it's not happening right now. I singled out Duvall for understandable reasons, but like I said, this is a team-wide issue. As a team, less than 25% swing rate on first pitch, they are that's an opportunity to ambush, and it is just a little bit head-scratching when your offensive coordinator slash bench coach is James Rousen. James Rousen is someone who has been an advocate in his previous job with the Twins, and honestly, even last year, as recently as 2020 with the Marlins, you saw some guys such as Brian Anderson increase their aggressiveness. He's one of the few guys so far this year that is continuing to be aggressive in those situations, and I think that will pay dividends eventually. It's very uncharacteristic of a James Rousen team to let those pitches go by, fall behind in the count, and then settle for less than ideal contact. So hopefully that is something that we see trend in a different direction as they just look for any kind of spark that they can get. One way to do that is to be ready to do damage as soon as you step to the plate. Perhaps you're not interested in buying into the slumping Marlins at this moment. That's okay. Go to Symbol. It's a stock market for sports where you can trade a variety of professional sports teams in Major League Baseball, the NBA, NFL, and you earn cash payouts when those teams win. It's a blend of sports and the stock market to offer you a new way to invest and profit off your favorite teams or just the teams that you really believe in at the moment. Use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, and you earn cash payouts. Over 2,000 early adopters, that number keeps going up, who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.symbol.app, S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P to create your free account. And when you make a deposit, use our promo code, FISHSTRIPES, for a $10 deposit bonus. The Sim Marlins price at this moment, for those interested, about $23.93. It's a simple formula. That keeps going up if they finally win some of these games. So early in the season is a great time to invest if you're able to do so. Visit Symbol.app. Use the promo code FISHSTRIPES for a $10 deposit bonus to help build your portfolio. Invest in what you know. Invest in sports. So we started with the Marlins offense, and we're going to stay with that for our second point here that is holding back this team and allowing the losses to pile up. They were, as just mentioned, not aggressive enough early in these plate appearances looking to do damage. And for my second point, even when they make contact, they're not sending it to the right parts of the ballpark. They are not on time with these swings for the most part. As a team, a 30% pull rate to the pull side of the field that is the lowest in Major League Baseball by a decent margin. Only the Mets and the Padres are even under 35%. Nobody else really is under 37% so far on this young season. Jordan McPherson of the Miami Herald, hat tip to him, a nice column about all the long fly balls during that first Marlins homestand that had potential, 
but for the most part, didn't do any damage because they were hit to the wrong part of the yard. They had the wrong trajectory on them. And uh, Lone Depot Park, formerly known as Marlins Park, is very unforgiving of that. However, when you're this consistently low in terms of sending the ball to the pole side where you have the most power, this is going to be a problem no matter what venue they play at. There is some bad luck probably at play this early in the season. That's something that could be acknowledged as a team. They are going to have, no matter where they send the ball, they're going to be slugging over 300 as a team, which is not what they're doing right now. But they're making some of their own bad luck with the fact that their timing is off. There is, according to StatCast, a 77-point gap between their actual slugging percentage and their expected slugging percentage based on the quality of the batted balls. You just look at the swings that they're putting on the balls, and it suggests that they should be a lot lot more productive than they actually are. One reason they aren't, I think the biggest reason why they aren't getting the most out of these swings is because they are not pulling the ball. They're not on time. They're sending it up the middle for the most part, or even the other way. They're going the opposite way almost as much as they're pulling the ball. Crazy to think about. It's just another bad fit for this personnel. When you have someone like Adam Duvall, who has incredible raw power, Jorge Alfaro, more so than anybody. I mean, Garrett Cooper is someone that finally did hit a pull side home run. One of the two that the Marlins have this year, he was able to do that on a ball down and in, and he got with it. He waited on that breaking ball just enough to keep it fair, but he was able to swing early enough to pull it and get it over the wall where ordinarily other parts of the ballpark, it would not have been anywhere close to a home run. Be like Garrett Cooper is a nice uh, mantra to have for this team. That's what you should be looking to do, the timing you should be acquiring for yourself. And until this team pulls the ball more often, yeah, they're going to waste the mistake pitches that other opponents make. That's what they've been doing so far. So hopefully that is something that turns around as well. Uh, We already knew this offense this year could be a bit suspect. So don't put all of this on their plate. A lot of this also falls on the shoulders of the bullpen. A bullpen that was revamped over this past offseason moves in a vacuum that seem to be understandable for the most part. We didn't like that they lost Brandon Kinsler and let him leave via free agency and declined his club option before that. And uh, for, for the most part, all the other ones didn't seem like they would be missed, that this team gave up some young talent to make trades for Dylan Floro, to make trades for John Curtis, guys in a vacuum that would seem to have the skill set to be sustainable, productive relievers. And Floro is kind of the anomaly. He is the one guy in this entire bullpen that has looked consistently good so far through this very early portion of the regular season. And even Floro is lacking in this one department, his ground ball rate. You guys know, listening to me, that I am so high on the defensive potential of this team, especially the infielders of this team. It could be the greatest strength they have, both at the major league level and the next man up that they have waiting at the alternate training site. This could be an exceptional defensive infield, and behind the instruction of Trey Hillman, they always seem to be in the right spots, yet the relievers on this team are totally squandering that potential. As a team, the bullpen is allowing a 36.1 ground ball rate. That's a percentage of 
balls in play they allow that are actually on the grounds. It is a bottom five rate in Major League Baseball among the bullpens. Just to compare it to the starters, to put it in context, the starters, who we are all thrilled with at this point of the year, allowing a 47.4% ground ball rate. That is significantly above average. So 11% gap between the relievers and the starters on the same team. I mean, Nick Neidert is a great example of someone who at times looked very uneasy in his first career start on Thursday, and yet he gritted through four and a third, what were at the moment scoreless innings before Ross Detweiler came in and allowed his inherited run to score. And Neidert did not have his good commands, and he was uh, not on top of his game and yet was successful because even when balls were put in play against him, for the most part, they stayed on the ground where his fielders could do something about it, and they had his back. That is something that this team is should be really maximizing. They should be leveraging their potential to turn double plays at all these different positions, and they're not doing it so far. This bullpen overall, a 36.1% ground ball rate, so much lower than the starters, and lower than any Marlins bullpen has ever posted on record. Those go back to at least 2002, courtesy of Fangraphs, the ground ball rate from the bullpen. It's never been this low. I I briefly mentioned John Curtis, who on paper looked like a good fit for this bullpen, and he is off to a very bad start, has already been bumped out of consideration for any sort of high leverage role. Richard Blyer is one of the real head scratchers of this very small sample size, the fact that he has already allowed a couple home runs this season for someone that consistently, year in, year out, he has been on the very extreme in terms of keeping that very low launch angle, making it almost impossible for opponents to lift the ball against him, uh, apparently until now. And whether it's father time, whether it's just a slump, the samples are so small, it's hard to assess what's wrong with each of these individual pitchers, but you add it all together, and it gives you a bullpen that cannot be trusted. And this goes in tandem with the fact that the offense is not putting up crooked numbers. All these games have been extremely close with that one exception, really. It's it's really, it, it comes down to the smallest of details, and right now the Marlins are not getting it done in that department. When you're not forcing ground balls and you know your opponents are yeah, trying to do maximum damage with their swings, then that's where you're susceptible to allowing the long ball. Like uh, You could make jokes about the dimensions of Lone Depot Park, the conditions that prevent the ball from carrying, but it didn't seem to have any effect on the opponents for the Marlins for the Rays or the Cardinals, those teams combined to out-homer the Marlins 9-2 to during that first homestand, playing in all the same conditions, but uh, they were going against relievers that just were not keeping the ball down, and not even when they were getting ahead in counts, I can't even count how many of these home runs have been uh, allowed in situations where the pitchers didn't need to throw strikes. So the one that I said I wasn't going to mention his name during this pod, but Anthony Bass allowing the game-tying home run on Thursday. Now, that was in a 3-1 count. He did fall behind, and he just really badly missed his spot. It was supposed to be on the outside corner. It ended up on the inside corner right in Jeff McNeil's wheelhouse, and McNeil made him pay. 
bass more so than anybody. I'd say the attribute that the Marlins really liked about him in free agency is that last year he had a ground ball rate over 60% for the Toronto Blue Jays. And they saw some similarities to Brandon Kinsler the year before, except with potentially better stuff and even more swing and miss potential. And that has not translated. He was supposed to reincorporate his splitter into his pitch mix this year. That's a pitch more so than anything else that you love keeping down in the zone and even below the strike zone so that hitters can't do anything with it. He gave up a home run on it during the first homestand against the Rays, and he totally abandoned it in his most recent outing as well, just going back to his two-pitch mix of his fastball and his slider. So if he's not even confident enough to use his full repertoire right now, that's where a, a red flag goes off in my mind. Don Mattingly said they're not making a change in the closer's role at this very moment, and uh, I, you could sort of understand that, but uh, there's only so much longer that this can go on if he's pitching the way that he is right now, and you can't necessarily expect anything better from him if he's not locating his pitches and he's not really being himself. To summarize what we've been talking about on this show, for the Marlins to get back on track to get the most out of their talent moving forward. They need to be more aggressive early in these plate appearances, seeking to do damage at the plate and swinging on those first pitches. They need to, when they make contact, be on time with their swings and pull the ball much more than they currently are to exploit the most vulnerable parts of the ballpark and turn some of these long fly balls into extra base hits. And their relievers need to keep the ball on the ground and utilize what I think is potentially the biggest strength of this team. Keep the ball down, trust your fielders, and they will make plays for you. The changes that people want from this team so early in the year, there's just only so much that they should be considering at this moment. Such a small sample size, and this team... As that's currently constructed, I mean, they have most of their impact talent already on the roster. The one change I would seriously consider would be the spring training phenom Anthony Bender bringing him up at the expense of John Curtis. Curtis is someone that I was high on entering this year, but he, in these appearances so far, what sticks out is his ineffective slider. He's a strictly two-pitch mix with his fastball and a slider, and both of the home runs he's allowed so far have been on his slider. He's not missing bats with it. It's Right now, he only has one effective pitch going on. And that's potentially something that could be resolved with some work behind the scenes at the fish tank in Jacksonville to be more consistent with that pitch and get the movement that he needs from it. For the moment, Anthony Bender at least offers that potential of missing a lot of bats. We saw him do it in spring training. There's... I don't want to set the expectations too high for Bender because the track record is not there. He is not pitched in the majors, not even above AAA, not even particularly effective during the 2020 season when he pitched in an independent league. So the expectations can't be that much higher, but it is a tweak that they should seriously consider because right now that bullpen is not getting the job done. Curtis has minor league options remaining, and most of these pitchers do. So there are a variety of moves to consider with that bullpen. Only so much of a difference that one reliever is going to make, though. You're not pitching in every single game, and you're usually not pitching more than one inning at a time. Offensively, I mean, that's where 
most of this responsibility lies on, and even there, it's more difficult to see a single move that makes sense at this very moment. Someone who's been underutilized so far uh, is Lewis Brinson, and Brinson has minor league options as well. I just don't know who you're bringing up that you're expecting anything much different for at that position. The, the Marlins have already enough bats on this roster on paper. Guys that have track records, they every single day, there's one accomplished big swinger that is out of the lineup at the corner outfielder at the first base positions. They have that extra guy. And if their starting pitchers are working deep into games, as at least Sandy and Pablo have been so far, I mean, stay tuned to see whether the rest of the rotation is able to follow in their footsteps. But that limits the number of pinch hitting appearances you're going to get. So whoever you call up to fill that last spot on the bench is not going to be on the field that often anyway, health permitting. So yeah, at this very moment, it's for the most part, they need to be riding with who they currently have and expecting something more, looking into these adjustments that they could make, hoping some of the bad luck evens out as we move forward before really pushing the panic button on this team. I can say unequivocally that this Marlins team is the best 1-6 team in the majors right now, even better than the Pittsburgh Pirates. In all seriousness, the talent is much better than the results have been so far. It will even out a little bit moving forward. Yeah, they just need to hold tight during the rest of this first road trip before it gets really ugly because there comes a point when a certain number of losses essentially forces you to make changes you don't want to the roster and brings a lot of criticism to the decision makers as well who seem to be on the same page with each other entering the year. It's crazy how quickly the the vibe around a team can change when the losses pile up. So they need to find a way to scratch out one of these games over the weekends. We'll of course be back with a podcast on Monday and throughout the weekend we'll have game coverage on fishstripes.com and on our Twitter account as well. We thank everybody who's been participating in our Fish Picks props bets. We do them every single game, and so far, more than 150 unique users just through the first seven games of the regular season. Keep it growing. Try to pick that perfect game. We've seen a growing trend during this losing streak of people trying to reverse jinx their way into a Marlins win by picking against the team, and unfortunately, those picks ending up being correct. Not working yet, but keep it going, guys, as uh, that's something that will make this season hopefully more tolerable, regardless of the results from the team itself. Thank you for all the support. Have a great weekend. Go Fish. Go Fish.